Have you ever had a day that didn't go exactly as you had planned? Anybody ever had a day like that? Your best laid plans don't exactly go the way you want. Well, I got to tell you, my day yesterday actually went exactly as I planned. It was one of those rare moments. I was sitting with some good friends in the second row from the field looking down into the Padres dugout enjoying life as someone who shouldn't be there, but I got to live the glory for three hours. I was wondering who was sitting next to me because these seats were incredible, and I mentioned to the couple that was with us, somehow I've got to work this Dodger game into this uh, sermon today. Now, I didn't know it was Roy Campanella bobblehead night. And I got this bobblehead uh, last night, and I got to thinking, this is exactly like my sermon today. Because some of you don't know the story of Roy Campanella, and I'll tell it to you in just a moment, and I I will tell it right now. The bottom line is that Roy Campanella was a a famous Dodger that played in the the 50s. He was the first black catcher, actually... Uh, following Jackie Robinson, uh, the second uh, black person to ever be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he was an MVP by all standards. He was an all-star for a number of years, six or seven years in a row, was the MVP of the league in 51, 53, and 55, and then tragically in the peak of his career in 1958 at 37 years old in the offseason was in a tragic car accident, and he was left a paraplegic for the rest of his life. And in fact, the, if you look at how long he lived, he lived to be 72 years old. This happened at age 37, well over half, half of his life confined to this wheelchair. And it's a great story of perseverance and patience and the fact that life isn't always the way we planned. Now, if I told the whole story, there's a picture of Pee Wee Reese here who on that special night in 1959, they did a tribute to him, and they actually wheeled him out in front of, at that time, the largest crowd in baseball history. 93,000 people were at the Coliseum as a fundraiser to help him pay for his medical bills. And so um, it's quite a story of perseverance, of waiting and waiting, and yet God, uh, you know, uses this guy as a physical illustration of our spiritual illustration that we're going to talk about today with Joseph. Now, that being said, um, I know there's a person in our congregation that loves the Dodgers. And I'm going to ask Leslie Hamm to come up here. I was at a game last year, and it happened to be Vin Scully bobblehead night, and so I gave her that one. So i got to explain something, though. Life didn't go as planned. Pee Wee Reese fell off the, off the bench here and came off. So I'm going to give you the one that's not broken, and I'm going to keep the broken one. So if you would just go give this to my wife, she's going to keep that for you, and then I'm going to give you a different one. But thank you, Leslie, for being so great. Love what you do in the church. All right. By the way, it's right during worship, and it's like my whole, I, I want to give this to her. I can't give her a broken toy, you know? Come on. And all of a sudden, this thing slides off, and I just went, whoa. 
you know, and you didn't see any of that. I'm just in anguish. So anyway, Leslie, your replacement will be there next week. All right. So would you look at the text? When we look at Joseph, go ahead and get your, your notes out. Because oftentimes we live in that place, that waiting place, that place where, Lord, what do you have for me? This isn't the plan that I put in order. And if we looked at Joseph's life, I think this is the great, a great word picture for his life. Think of a roller coaster, right? He has these great highs and these tremendous lows. And in spite of the ups and downs of his life, Joseph remains faithful. Now, I want to I suggest again, we're in this Average Joe's series. He's just an average guy. And I'm going to suggest to you that the key verse in this text is about how God was with him. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But... Clearly, this guy experienced discouragement and disillusionment in his life. And I would suggest that his fidelity and faithfulness to God, despite the disappointments that paint the canvas of his life, is really the true message of this story. In fact, every obstacle he faces, he sees as an opportunity to trust God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, again, we ask that you would illuminate your text that as we look at your word, it would come alive to us, not just that we can get more facts in our head, but that you can change our lives, that it would move from our head to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Joseph, a forgotten prisoner. Turn to Genesis 39, verse 20, and we're going to get through chapter 40, verse 23, but I need to set the backdrop of his life. What is the setting We see that he's going to be thrown in prison here in just a second, but let's back it up. Joseph was the favored son of Jacob. Twelve boys, you know the story. He was the second youngest. He had a little bit of an ego issue as a young man. Most people think, oh, that was not ego. Let me just explain to you. When you're 16 and you're kind of strutting your stuff and you tell all your brothers, hey, you know, one day you're going to be bowing down to me. I had a dream. God told me. Tell me how that plays with you. Anybody ever been the younger brother and got away with that with an older brother? Ah, pretty much never, right? And so he has this kind of uh, swagger to him uh, a bit, and God humbles him. And as you know, he eventually gets sold into slavery, if you don't know the whole story, by his own brothers to some Midianite trailer, uh, traders who are coming through the desert. And he's eventually uh, held captive in Egypt. He's sold off to a guy named Potiphar in chapter 39, who is an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh. And because the Lord is with him, he prospers. And we'll look at this verse again in just a little bit. But everything he does turns to gold. And pretty soon he's promoted and he's ahead of all of Potiphar's house. Unfortunately, Potiphar was married to a woman, let's just say, was not a good person. If you know the story, you get my drift here. And so she had kind of accosted him and said, hey, hubba hubba, Joseph, let's woo-woo. And he said, not a chance. I'm not doing that. And by the way, when I was a young Sunday school kid, they tell the story of, of Potiphar's wife, right? They never explained this. This, this woman's probably pretty good looking, right? They made it paint, pointed out like she was just, you know, Potiphar's wife, you know. And I thought of, you know, a very large lady in a muumuu dress, you know. I do not think that that would have been much of a temptation to him, but she clearly is, is propositioning him. He says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Forget it. And then one day she tries to, and it doesn't work, and you know the whole story. And she rises up and throws uh, these accusations against him and tells her husband that you know, he was a bad boy and he wasn't, and he gets thrown into jail. And that's the backstory to where we find him. He's back in jail. So he's been in the pit 
He's promoted. He's accused falsely. He's back in jail. And so here's what happens. Let's look at the setting, man's prison, verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison in the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, and this is what we'll look at in the rest of our story. Let's look at this prison. This is probably kind of a dungeon or a pit uh, not far from Potiphar's house. It's where the kind of the white-collar crime prisoners were kind of kept, so to speak. And clearly, if Potiphar had believed the accusations to be true, wouldn't he have put him to death? Well, I did a little research because I always thought that was kind of the common theme. But actually, Potiphar had no uh, uh, authority under the law to kill him, but he could make his life miserable. In fact, Egyptian law didn't command uh, death in cases of adultery. And in fact, I'm, I think potentially Potiphar may have just not quite believe the whole story, but it's, it's, a, it's a political conundrum for him. What is he going to do? He's got to save face, so he throws uh, uh, Joseph into prison. Think about this guy's stuff. He goes from the pit in Dothan to the pit in the dungeon. And the question I got to ask you is, where is God in the pits of your life? Where do you see God in the pits of your life? Because we all have those kind of horrible, unfair experiences. And I would say that the four horsemen of despair often visit us in the pit of our experience. The horsemen of discouragement, the horsemen of disillusionment, the, the, the horsemen of disappointment, and then ultimately of doubt. And if you live in that place in your life for any length of time, you're going to get messed up because life knocks you down. Everybody in this room has had one of those experiences where it wasn't as you had planned. It didn't go as you had thought. That the promotion didn't happen. That you had to stand up for something and you lost a job. I mean, we can go on and on. When God throws you a curveball, or more importantly, or more accurately, when life throws you a curveball, what do you do? Now, it's interesting for me to look at this text, though, and see that Joseph makes no defense of himself. Now, in your just natural thinking, if someone accused you falsely of something, wouldn't you want to say, hey, 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 time out. This is what happened. This is how it went down. This is what should be doing. And what are you doing this to me for? You're wrong. We don't see any of that, and I wonder why. Well, I think it's because Joseph understands there's a higher principle involved. First of all, he wasn't going to do anything that would bring division between Potiphar, his master, and his wife. Even though he knows that his wife is despicable, he's not going to be the one who's going to be the, the tatty, tattletale here. He's not going to save himself. He's not going to defend himself at someone else's expense. And so he quietly just takes it. And ultimately, I believe he does it because he knows that God is his defender. Look at Psalm 37, verse 6. Just write that passage down in your notes. It says this, He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. I think one of the biggest frustrations in the world today is when we experience injustice and we're crying out, Lord, do something about this. 
do something about this. And every one of us has a cause that we're probably passionate about, some more than others. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, and you need to underline this in your Bible because when you face injustice, when you face situations that aren't fair, just like Joseph did, this is a great verse to claim. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. Does that mean we have to wait till the rapture? I think this wait till the Lord intervenes is actually the best interpretation. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. So we know something that when we suffer unjustly, that in the point in time, as long as we didn't cause it ourselves, uh, Peter talks about, hey, don't be blaming God for this. You made some bad choices. We're not talking about that kind of suffering. But we're talking about injustice where you're bearing up under it It says that each time he will see praise from God. So I think Joseph knows that second round, he's been in the pit once, he's in the pit twice, he's in this prison, that this verse from Psalm 119, verse 71 becomes very true. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn thy statues. Now that's David talking, not Joseph, but it's a principle in life. When you're in the crucible of pain... When in the pit of your human existence, when you're in the prison of your not your making, that's when that still, small voice kind of speaks to you. When you have nowhere else to turn but up, that's when you decide whether God really is who he says he is, and you live it out in your life. Well, look at God's provision in verse 21. But the Lord was with him but the lord was with him he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden now in god's provision i want you to write this principle it wasn't because of joseph's phenomenal leadership abilities that he got promoted it was because what the lord was with him it was because of what the lord was with him i can't hear you it was because of what The Lord was with him. And when you're in the pain and the crucible of that experience, whatever that is, that's that's where Satan will attack you and say, yeah, God doesn't really care about you. Why are you trusting in this knucklehead you call God? He's not with you. You're You're the master of your own destiny. Take charge. Make a move. Be bold. And yet we see throughout the Scripture the description of Joseph's life was not about his awesome leadership abilities. It's about the Lord. Look back at chapter 39, verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Look at verse 3. The Lord was with him, and that's how God prospered all that he did. Psalm 39, verse 5. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned. The Lord was with him in verse 39, verse 20. But the Lord was with Joseph. Look at verse 23 of chapter 39. The Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made him to prosper. Friends, when things go great in our lives, let's be very hesitant to say, oh, yep, that's because of my hard work. And maybe it's about God blessing you in spite of yourself. Maybe God's just choosing to bless you because he has a greater purpose in your life than you even begin to realize at this point. The Lord's provision The Lord was with him. God blesses others 
because of us and because of Joseph. And so, therefore, Joseph's, uh, the people Joseph worked for were blessed. Well, now he gets a promotion, right? Look at verses 22 and 23 of Genesis 39. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who he had held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So this prison is great training. We're going to realize that down the road, being in prison in charge of these prisoners was going to be just the precursor to being in charge as second in all the land of Egypt once they go through this great famine. And once again, just like in Potiphar's house, people begin to notice that Joseph has something unique about him. That there is something special about him because the Lord touches his life. And his reputation is growing. I love this, this, this quote from Henry Ford. You can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. You see, Joseph was faithful even though he was forgotten. Even though the pain of his existence, he clinged to the promises of God. When he was discouraged, he saw God's destiny in the process. And when he felt like a failure, he realized his fortunes were from the hand of the Lord. That's a phenomenal attitude. And quite frankly, it's a lot easier to preach about this than to live it, right? It's a lot easier to say, oh yeah, I believe in God. I believe I can trust him with my life. Well, I can tell you how much you trust God is when you're at the lowest point of your existence. Tell me who you're really putting your trust in. Think about Job's life, right? He's at the pit of his experience. He's lost everything. His wife's telling him to do what to God? His wife says to what? Curse him. Job didn't curse God. I think we've all been in that place where we've been angry and we wish, God, what in the world are you thinking? Three years ago, we were on a cruise in Alaska. We get a frantic phone call from my daughter she was just a few months along in her pregnancy, and we get that call no grandparent wants to get. And she lost the baby. Nothing that a daddy could do to console her daughter, his daughter, or a mom as we sat there in a puddle of tears sitting on a dock as my daughter cried out to the Lord for her loss. But she bounced back. She trusted God, and in his timing, she got pregnant again. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost businesses. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have been accused unfairly. Some of you have been in experiences that there was no place else to turn. And yet in the little things in life, you began to trust God. And that allowed you to be faithful and trust Him in those big things in life. So we see the story, which is the the. the part of our, the text that we'll look at today, he's in prison, and there's some instructions he's given in chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. And it came about these things that the cupbearer and the baker of the king offended their lord. So uh, Pharaoh's offended. He throws both the cupbearer and the baker into prison. And, and Pharaoh was just a super patient dude, wasn't he? No, look at verse 2. And Pharaoh was furious with the two officials, all right? I think uh, the Greek text, text says, yea, thus verily, he was ticked, right? 
And the chief cupbearer and the chief baker are in prison. They're confined in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. And remember, Joseph, you know, this guy, these guys had worked for him at one point, and now he's in a jail cell with them. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them. Again, Joseph just being faithful, right place at the right time. And they were in confinement for some time. And then the cupbearer and the baker, now we don't know how long that time is, but it's, a, it's not just days, it's weeks, maybe even months. And the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, verse, verse 5, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same exact night, each man with his own dream, different than the others, and each dream with its own interpretation. And so there's these instructions to care for these guys. They've had this dream. The cupbearer was a very responsible position, right? This is the guy who did all the food tasting before a king or a, a, a political man would eat his food. Um, and so a king would often confine in the cupbearer. It's very personal. We know of a famous uh, Old Testament cupbearer. Who was it that we remember in our scriptures as well? Nehemiah was a cupbearer, right? And so it's a substantial position regard, uh, re- involving trust, and yet, you know, he's gotten on the bad side of Pharaoh, and he's in jail. Now, the baker, I don't know. Man, he burnt the souffle. Who knows what in the world got him in the doghouse? The lobster didn't turn out perfect. I don't know. But the bottom line, they're both in jail. And so Joseph has this innocent inquiry in, chapter, in verses 6 through 8. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Now, Joseph, is this an attempt at humor? Are you kidding me? They're in jail, you know? Of course they're going to be sad. Oh, boy, I'm in jail. Yay, I just love this, right? So it's kind of, I don't know if he's trying to be funny. I think he's sincere. And they said, well, we both had these dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, watch this again. Do not interpretations belong to God. So tell me your dreams. He's very clear. Hey, I'm going to give you an interpretation of these dreams, but it's not about me. It's all about him. He's the one who gives interpretations of the dream. And so he's asking, and now he's interpreting their dreams, and he, he thinks beyond just his own needs. It would have been easy for him to go, you know, I know the answer to these dreams, but, you know, rot in jail, suckers. You know, I'm not going to help you. He didn't do that. In fact... He gives God the credit before he ever does anything. Now, that's putting God on the line. He's going to say, it's all about God. Now he's going to give an interpretation. What if the interpretation's wrong? And so he doesn't claim any power, doesn't, you know, kind of push them off. He just humbly serves them and gives them the interpretation. And we'll look at that in just a moment. I love this definition of a good leader. A good leader is a person who takes a little more than his share of the blame and a little less than his share of the credit. That's Joseph. Even though he was there unjustly, he doesn't take the credit. He gives it to God, and he does this interpretation. So we see the interpretation in verses 9 to 19. Now, I'm not going to read the whole text. There are two dreams, the dream of the cupbearer in, in verses 9 through 15, and then the dream of the baker in verses 16 to 19. But I want to make just a couple of points. The cupbearer essentially tells his dream, and Joseph says, hey, this is the deal. Bottom line, you're going to get your job back. You're going to be restored. He tells the baker that this is not going to end well for you. This is not going to be good. You're going to die, right? Now, imagine the temptation would be to make, you know, kind of whitewash it and say, it's not going to be that bad. You get at least to live three more days, you know. There's no good way to say it. You're going to die. 
You're not getting your job back. It's time for you to do business with the God of the universe. And so he essentially just lays it out for them. And the baker probably doesn't like it, but at least Joseph told him the truth, didn't waffle, didn't fudge. Now, he did ask for one thing in the text, right? Of all, after he does all the interpretations for both guys, he goes to the cupbearer, and what does he ask of the cupbearer? Do you remember the story? Just, he asks for one little thing. What is it? When you get restored, would you tell Pharaoh about little Joseph here? Hey, remember me? Just mention my name. And now we see his invisibility. Look at verse 20 through 23. What happens? The, 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 just, uh, the juxtaposition of it is verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, you've got to ask yourself, he's gone through all this. We're on this roller coaster. He thinks, okay, interpret the dreams. Life's looking up. I'm hoping he's mentioning my name, and I'm going to get out of here. Everything that he wanted comes crashing to a screeching halt. His dreams aren't realized. He's stuck. Now, why didn't the guy bring him up? We don't know. Maybe he forgot. Maybe he didn't want, it wasn't politically expedient for him to mention his name. Maybe it wasn't to his advantage. But I can tell you this, it wasn't a mistake. And that's the problem. We're in the pit of whatever we're going through. Our temptation is to believe that this is a mistake. Hey, God, let's uh, rewind this. Uh, I think I got a better plan. Let's go with my plan, plan B, not waiting in prison the rest of my life. Let's go for this plan, God. What do you think? Mm -mm. But we do know this from Psalm 146, verses 3 and then 5 through 7. The Lord sets the prisoners free. It's the Lord who sets the prisoners free. I have no personal experience of being in jail serving an unjust sentence, but I work for a missions organization who our office manager had a brother who was falsely accused and imprisoned by someone who lied about a robbery and spent 30 years in prison. And two years ago, through the work of some graduate students through a justice institute, they reopened his case, and A.J.'s brother was released from prison about a year and a half ago. It was an unbelievable story, and I think there are going to be film rights to it, and they're going to tell the story of redemption. Now, that's a nice, feel-good ending that someone gets released from prison who's, who's suffering unjustly. But at this point in our story, we don't see any end to it. And where I'm going to leave you today is that Joseph is in prison, suffering unjustly, feeling abandoned. And what I want to suggest is that's where you measure a man's character. When he's waiting in God's waiting room. Because how you deal with disappointment and injustice tells me an awful lot about your character and more importantly, 
the character of God that you say you believe in. So what? So let's get to the so what today. What is it that we can learn from Joseph's life? I want to just give you four simple principles that I see from our story today. What do we do in how we deal with the disappointments of life? Number one, disappointment is when, not if. All right? Let's get this clear. You will have disappointment in your life. John 16, 3 says, in this world you will have trouble. James 1 says, consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Disappointment is a part of life. And for some of us, we don't really believe that that's true for us, that that's just, that's for other people, but I'm exempt from, from disappointment and discouragement. And I want to suggest that we will experience disappointment, and I want to give you six examples of that. First one is you're going to experience disappointment when you're abandoned. Some of you have been abandoned. Your parents got divorced as children, and you were left to fend for yourself. In fact, half of you who went through that childhood divorce when you were under the age of 10 believed it was your fault. And so when we ask you to believe in a heavenly Father who loves you, your image of a father is the one who abandoned you, maybe. Some of you experienced disappointment through unfair accusations. It wasn't true. You lost your job over it. Someone rang you up, so to speak. Some of you experienced disappointment through abuse. You were taken advantage of. Trust was violated. And that abuse comes in a variety of ways. But you know that it affected you. Some of you experience disappointment through gossip. That little rumor that spread that just completely damaged your reputation. And it, what was said should have remained private, and it didn't. And people began to believe the worst about you, not the best. And the whole time you're saying, God, what did I do? What have I done? Or maybe there's disappointment because of injustice. It just isn't fair. And then maybe disappointment because of false hope. Promises were made that weren't kept. You had an expectation it wasn't filled. I think about that in a kind of a funny way. Uh, I learned my first experience of disappointment through false hope when I was 12 years old. They say, what dramatic experience happened when you were 12, John? Well, if you're 12 and you play baseball, you live for Little League All-Star games and being picked to be on that team. And since the time I could ever remember, all I dreamed was being on a Little League All-Star team and going to Williamsport, Pennsylvania and playing for all the glory, right? So if any of you are baseball players, here's how it goes down. If you're not, let me explain how it happened in our little Little League. I was 12. Coaches met on a Friday night. It was at the end of the season. All the teams played that final day, and they may make the phone calls on that Friday night if you made the team. Only 12 kids made it. There were eight teams. You can do the math. Every team had to have one, and then a couple teams had two guys on the team, 12 kids, all-stars. Now, I hit over 300 that year. I was a pitcher. Uh, I had had a pretty good season. I was the best player on our team, or so I thought, because the only guy who was even close to being as good as I was has a broken arm. So at least one guy from every team has to make it. I'm doing the math. I must be that guy. So this is a slam dunk. 
I'm waiting for the phone to ring. It's 8 o'clock. The phone doesn't ring. It's 9 o'clock. The phone doesn't ring. I'm thinking, what's taking these guys so long? It's 10 o'clock. The phone doesn't ring. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I fell asleep at 3 in the morning. The phone never rang. And once you know it, my teammate with the broken arm made the all-star team. He hadn't even played half the season. Now, not that I want any pity or whining here, but that was unjust. It was unfair. It wasn't right. It, say it's not so, Joe. I had to pitch that day. First pitch, I hit the first batter. I was so mad. Second pitch, no, I didn't. Um, I lost. I was wild. I was horrible. I remember going home just with hot tears coming down my cheeks. I should have been that guy. Now you say, come on, John, you were 12. Get over it. I did. You say, it doesn't look like it. Um, (laughs) But the point I'm making, it doesn't matter what age you're at, there's disappointments in your life at the time you think are crushing. And a little seed of faith said, well, maybe God has a bigger plan. I didn't really think about that. I'm so glad my parents didn't preach and say, well, you know, all things work together for good for those who love Jesus. Yeah, I know that's true, but I just need to mourn a little bit. I was 12. Well, I won't go on to it, but I ended up playing college baseball, and it all worked out, and God is good. But as a 12-year-old, life came to a crushing end, and I was disappointed. I don't know what your experience is, but I'm sure you've been there, and that leads us to principle number two. When we are disappointed, it deepens your relationship with God. Believe it or not, disappointment deepens your relationship with God. 1 Peter 2.20, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. There's something about the crucible of pain that God takes and shapes and molds your character in a way that he cannot do when you're on the mountaintop of, of your life experiences. I'm looking out across at you today. And each person that I have a more than surface-level relationship, you've told me a story that God was good even when things were bad. Look at, I'm thinking at Casey right now. I, 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 this is not a note, sorry, but you can take it. Loses his job when I first came to church. He has this unbelievable trust in God that God's going to provide. So he gets a nice little six-week vacation. He's on his feet. He's working again. God is good. Last hour, Phil Runston was in this service, and I was looking at him thinking, man, the guy has cancer and didn't even know it. And then God brings healing to him in his time. But for as many stories of success and how God worked and answered a prayer, when we're in the crucible of pain and we're, he's deepening our walk with him, there are stories of unanswered prayers. of a spouse who've left you even though you, you prayed that your marriage would survive. There are prayers going in your mind unanswered today because of kids who are far from God who you're pleading for God to restore them, but they continue to live the prodigal life. For those of you who are working for a tyrant who as a boss is despicable and yet he hasn't asked you yet to do something that causes you to compromise your integrity, but you're just waiting on the edge 
of getting fired because you can't, you're not sure you can take it another day. And so when we're in that pain, C.S. Lewis says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. And yet we don't want to hear that. And so I ask, are you growing through it or in spite of it today? Principle number three, determine the greater purpose. Determine the greater purpose. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And it's hard for us to admit, what is God trying to teach us? What in my character needs refining? What quality is he trying to develop? Which alarm is he trying to shut off as I speak? (laughs) Just sorry. I got distracted there. Bird. Uh, What does he see that I don't? Who will grow or benefit because of my trials? What is God trying to do to get my attention? You see, we need to determine the greater purpose. I love this little, phrase, this little formula for success. If you want to be distressed, look within. If you want to be defeated, look back. If you want to be distracted, look around. If you want to be dismayed, look ahead. If you want to be delivered, you've got to look up. You've got to look up to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus, not on the circumstances of life. Now, I'd like to illustrate that with, me, with you with a story, and I'd like Chris to come up immediately and bring a broom with him. And I want to illustrate this idea. You see, when we are looking at the circumstances in life, it's like we take this, if, if the circumstances of life are all pooled around the bottom of this broom, it's almost impossible to get our equilibrium and to hold it all together. Let me illustrate it for you. So just look at the bottom of the broom. Do not look at the top of the broom. And just, this represents all the stuff in life that just weigh you down. Go ahead and see if you can balance on your finger and see, without cheating. It doesn't, you're going to hit me here. Let's try it again. Let's look and see if you can do it. Just really focus on that. I'm sure if you work harder, you can get it all together and control your life. It, it doesn't really work that well. Now, he could really, yeah, well, it works when we cheat. So let's change it up a little bit. Let's let, not this, let's look, this represent the top of the room looking to God, looking to Jesus Christ, keeping our focus on him, not on our circumstances, but what's going, set your mind on things uh, above, not on the things on the earth. So let's try it this way. Now you look at the top. Let's see how long you can do it this time. You see, when you look above your circumstances, you can stand all day long. In fact, I'm going to see if he can go down the stairs. I'm not sure if he can. See, he tempted to look down, right? Very good. Just keep talking. Just walk back and forth. See, the problem is this. When Jesus and Peter, he wins. Thank you. Now, it's a, it's a funny little illustration, but isn't that exactly what happened to Peter, right? He gets out of the boat, he looks at Jesus, things are looking great, and then he looks at what? The storm, the, the waves, and what does he do? He falls. So anytime we're looking at kind of the storms in our life, instead of looking at Jesus, ultimately we're going to fail. You've got to look up. Then lastly... Develop your attitude. Are you going to be a victim 
Are you going to be a victor? Are you going to be an overcomer? Are you going to wallow in despair? Philippians 4.11, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Our worship team is going to come in just a moment, but I want to close with this story. One December evening, the cry of fire echoed through the plant. Spontaneous combustion had broken out in the film room. Within moments, all the packing compounds, celluloid for records, film, and other flammable goods had gone up in a whoosh. When I couldn't find my father, I became concerned. Was he safe? Was all his assets going to go up in smoke? Would his spirit be broken? He was 67 years old, and that was no age to begin anew. And then I saw him in the plant yard, running toward me. He says, where's mom? He shouted, go get her. Go tell her to bring her friends. In fact, tell her they're going to see a fire. They're never going to see a fire like this again. Can you believe it? Rather than saying, oh God, I'm ruined. I don't deserve this. At 67 years old, he said, son, get your mom. This is going to be an unbelievable sight. Thomas Edison's son continues the story. At 5.30 the next morning, when the fire was barely under control, he called all of his employees together and announced, we're rebuilding. He set one guy to get leases in all the machine shops, another to go get a wrecking crane, another, as an afterthought, said, hey, anybody know where we can get some money? And later on, he explained, you can always make capital out of disaster. We've just cleared out a bunch of old rubbish, and we'll build bigger and better on in these ruins. And then the story goes that Thomas Edison rolled up on his coat, made it a pillow, curled up on a table, and immediately fell asleep. What a great story. In the, in the ash heap of his business going up in flames, his attitude made all the difference. You see, when you're in the pit, you can wallow in despair, or you can look to God and say, He is my deliverer. When you feel like a failure, and you think all is lost, you can say, well, it's me, or say, God is my future. When we feel like everything we've done in life just doesn't make sense and it seems so hard and I'm just grinding here and God, can't you make it any easier? That's when your character and what you really believe about God comes shining through. Not saying it's easy. Not saying that I'm minimizing the pain or you know, kind of saying, yeah, those are 12-year-old all-star disappointments. Wait till you get the big leagues, boy. I, I don't even begin to understand what journey you're on, but I do know this. I have got a God who is faithful. He's been faithful. He will be faithful. And His faithfulness is greater than any circumstance in life. And I believe it. And I want to live it. And I want to join you. I want you to join me in that journey. Amen? Amen. He is faithful. He's faithful to you from day one. As you walk with him this week, let's remember that his goodness 
extends to you today. That he will work out all things according to his good in his timing. And that ultimately he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me bless you as we bless him in closing. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. To the only wise God be glory and power and dominion and majesty now and forevermore. Amen. 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 You're dismissed.